You are listening to Quality Time, a podcast designed to support Nebraskan providers through their journey with Step Up to Quality. I am your host, Colleen Schmidt. Get ready to listen as we prepare to elevate each other as we step up to quality. Well, welcome back, everyone. Today, we are speaking with Becky Morton. Becky is a delight and wears many hats in the field. And I want to allow Becky the opportunity to introduce herself. So I'm thrilled to chat with you today, Becky. This will be a fun one. We are going to talk about continuing our learning journey as professionals. So can you kind of share with our audience a little bit about what you do and some of your path in this field, Becky? So welcome. Yes, thank you, Colleen. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of the podcast today. Um, I love to be a part of this um, conversation. I have definitely worn many, many hats throughout the years. And my journey has been um, working with children, working with families, working with educators, um, and a variety of different experiences. I started off working in an infant and toddler classroom. I also worked with preschool age children uh, while I was still in college. And then I did work as a center director right outside of college. And so I know that, that um, those experiences working with children, working with families and teachers um, really, really has given me a better understanding of really what the needs are um, for children, for families, for educators as I've moved into different roles um, throughout my career, um, because then from that experience, my path has really taken me to uh, facilitating training for early childhood professionals, um, facilitating CDA coursework and college level classes. Um, I'm currently uh, an adjunct early childhood instructor for the University of Nebraska at Kearney and an early childhood coach consultant at the ESU3. And so I've been working in the early childhood field for many, many years, um, and especially have been in the coaching arena for at least over 10 years. And so it's been a joy uh, being in each of those hats, really. So, Yeah, I love that, Becky. It's a joy to wear all the hats. (laughs) And every hat you wear is an opportunity for growth and learning as a professional. And that's what we're talking about today. We're going to really kind of get into the importance of continuing your learning journey in the field as a, that buzzword, lifelong learner. So let's just, let's dive in. Since you wear all of these mini hats, you've been wearing them for a while. Let's talk about why it matters to be a lifelong Learner. So specifically tell us why as an early childhood workforce, is it important for us to continue on with our learning journeys? Mm-hmm. Yes, well, I've thought about that in many different ways. And the thing that comes to my mind always first is children. And I always think about the children in, in homes and in classrooms and whatever spaces children are at um, in our in our communities and really think about the importance of providing these spaces for young children um, where they can thrive and grow and, and be who they are. And for children to have that opportunity to have that safe learning space where they can discover and explore, we also know that educators need to have the opportunity 
um, to continue on with their education and professional growth so that they can be their best, so that educators can show up with compassion with children and really show up with empathy and, and also curiosity and to be able to model that for children. And those things are really foundational um, to not only creating spaces for children, but creating safe spaces for adults to learn. And so we know that for, you know, educators really to be their best for children, they need to have access to quality learning opportunities. Um, and that could be um, in a variety of different settings, but we know especially that adults also need to have their basic human needs being met when they are in these learning spaces. They need to feel valued, that they're contributing um, to, to their world. Um, and when they feel that way, then we know that adult learners can also be ready uh, to really show up in the world and really self-reflect on um, their learning, you know, and really continue on their journey and think about how we approach the world, I think, through the lens of learning and really considering the perspective of others, I think, too. You know, when we think about children, we know how important it is to consider the perspective of children and what are their experiences um, in whatever, whatever we're doing. And uh, educators need the opportunity, too, to really get curious and look at things through an inquiry-based lens. Um, so that we can continue to learn as well as adults, because there's a whole lot out there of, of knowledge and skills that we as adults also need to have so that we can continue to support the growth and learning of children in meaningful ways as well. Oh, gosh, I love how you're making the connection that we want our kids to have safe learning spaces and feel valued and uh, able to, you know, feel safe to learn, but we also need that for our workforce where they feel valued, that it's safe for me to grow and learn, that I can model inquiry-based learning for kids. Like you're telling us really there's connections here, like having empathy for the children also requires us to have a little bit of empathy for each other and for where we want to go on our journey and feeling empowered to do it. So I think that's, that's really our, our main theme of this podcast is how, as a professional, can I continue on with my learning journey, with being empowered, with seeing myself as the professional that I am, so I can just continue to grow and be better for my kids. I, I love how you made that connection. So I want to talk a little bit more about specifics. So on a past podcast, uh, listeners might have enjoyed listening to Julie from the TEACH program on the many different options we have for our providers and teachers here in Nebraska to continue with learning. So you mentioned that you work as a coach, a consultant, an adjunct professor for many years. So in your experience as putting on that adjunct hat, have you had any of your prior or current students who were part of TEACH? And can you give us any thoughts, maybe not just on TEACH, but on why this that we have so many avenues for continuing on with our learning journey? So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I really think TEACH is such a valuable program because it gives um, educators an opportunity to continue their ed, their formal education if that's 
um, what their journey, if that's where they're at in their journey in that, in that moment. And I think the really nice thing is that there's multiple choices. And so um, within the state of Nebraska, we know that you know, any educators, adult learners need to have choice. We know that's really, really important on that learning growth, learning journey. And so not only can providers, uh, you know, uh, apply for the teach scholarship, there's multiple other opportunities as well for um, early educators to engage in a variety of different learning things. And so one of those um, is through the early learning connection coordinators that are in the state of Nebraska that really are those coordinators of professional development for early child care um, providers, educators, family child care homes, Head Starts, all of those places where children are. We know that the early learning connection coordinators offer a variety of opportunities for professional development. Um, and during those opportunities, it's a really nice uh, time for providers to connect with each other because we know that where learning happens is when providers are talking with each other and they're learning from each other and sharing ideas. And, and so these kinds of opportunities, they're able to share those ideas. And this is what worked for me and this didn't work for me. And so the those kinds of things are so, so important for people to get together and share those ideas. Many of the training hours that uh, providers can, you know, gain through those uh, professional development learning opportunities can also be applied um, for the CDA or the Child Development Associate, which is another path that some providers may be interested in. Uh, this is a great opportunity for um providers to attend training. There's multiple steps involved in the CDA process, not only the 120 hours of training, but also there's a there's a chance to write competency statements, to write about your teaching philosophy. You know, what do you believe about how children learn? What do you want children to learn? You know, how do they learn best? And how will you as an educator provide that, uh, provide that for children? And so through that coursework or through that training, educators really get to guide their learning and get to really think about and reflect on how they're going to create these spaces for young children where they can thrive and grow and learn and just play, you know, and just be able to discover and to explore the world around them. So the CDA is another opportunity uh, for, uh, for providers to um, continue their learning journey. And then the other thing that many of you may be familiar with already is being part of uh, the step up to quality, which is Nebraska's quality rating and improvement system. And this is also a great way to continue that learning journey. It's so a way to really individualize and prioritize what your needs are, what are your interests. And I think that's really the first thing to consider on any learning journey is what do you want to know? What do you want to learn? What are you interested in? What are you curious about? And then Reflecting upon that will help guide your decision when you're thinking about all of these different choices, because there are choices that work for um, you as an individual, and you have the, the chance really to pick what works best for you. And that's what's really nice about uh, Step Up to Quality, because 
many providers have uh, a coach, an early childhood coach who can work with them to help um, guide the process, really follow the lead of you as a provider as you're making those decisions about what's important to you and what you want for the children and families and educators in your care, really imagining what could it be like? What do you want it to be like? What do you, and continuing on that journey. And, and there's no place where you get to the end and then, oh, we're done. You know, like that's not even a thing. So it's like, we keep learning because there's always more to learn about children and about our interactions and relationships and all the things. And so, and that's, what's so nice about Step Up and also about any of these learning opportunities will be individualized for what you need and what you desire to be and what your purpose is so that you can fulfill your purpose as an individual and for what you vision for, for children in 20 years. If you think about, like, if we think out 20 years and we're thinking, what do we want children to be? What do we want the skills we want them to have? We know we want them to be creative and innovative and be able to be problem solvers. And when we think about it in that context, what needs to happen in this early childhood space to get us there, to get these children there in 20 years as adults? So when they're in the workplace, we know that they can be creative. They can have positive relationships. They can problem solve and, and be who they are in that authentic space. Because as a provider, when they were in your care, you, you envisioned what it could be like for them and provided that space for them because you kept learning and you know that children need to keep learning too. And so we're just all in this together on this journey to, to keep learning. So. I, holy smokes. I could just listen to you talk about that all day long. Like, I feel like that is that. I, so I want to unpack what you just said, because you said so many really good juicy things that I want to talk about. So the first thing when you were talking to us, Becky, that I pulled out from that was a message of choice. So as a professional, it's important for me to have choice in what I'm interested in and where I want to grow. And I need to know what I want to get out of it. Like I need to know the why behind it. And I love that you mentioned that we have so many options here in Nebraska. Uh, we're going to do a future podcast on the CDA and what we do here and how amazing we are with our collaboration as a state to really kind of uh, problem solve and brainstorm how to get more people that opportunity. But just even mentioning our ELCs. Yes, they are so, they're, aren't they magical? Like I love our ELCs. I think that having that as a resource and reminding our listeners like, hey, reach out to those early learning coordinators. Like that's their main purpose is to bring us together and support you with choice. Like, what do you want? What do you want to learn more about? And of course, this is very fitting that you brought up Step Up to Quality, since this is our Stepping Up podcast, but you're exactly right about the power of Step Up to Quality is that it can be individualized, it can help you prioritize what you want as a provider and where you are and really highlight all the lovely 
So you, ju- I could honestly, Becky, that I, I could listen to that on repeat all day and maybe I need to, mm-hmm. because it really solidifies <laughs> back into our, what are we doing here and why? So I want to share a let's get real moment. And then I'm going to, I'm going to throw you a question about it. So when I was an educator, when I was in the classroom teaching, I got to a point in my career where I feel like I took a dangerous turn of no longer seeing value in growing as a professional. I felt like you're already doing it right. I don't need any more PD. Why are you making me go to this? I don't want to do this. This isn't fun for me. I got in a kind of negative headspace and that's just a get real moment like that did happen with with my career but why does it matter for us like why is it so important for um an early childhood workforce to really have that growth mindset why does that why is that a big deal Well, you know, I think there's multiple reasons why it's so important for us to continue learning and to have that growth mindset. I think what's so important is to acknowledge how our individual experiences um, have really impacted who we are. And so I and I think we kind of live in this space where there's a there's a focus on, you know, that education, you get to a place and now, you know, you have all these skills and I will be the first to tell you as soon as I got out of college. I did not know nearly as much as I know now. I think I learned a lot more through experience and that gave me some really good foundational knowledge and I needed that and I need the experience and I need that continued ongoing learning. Um, But those individual experiences that we each have um, really impact who we are, you know, what we know, what skills we have. And I think we really need to model for children. We know children are still learning. We still have knowledge and skills um, that we know children need to learn. And so as adult caregivers, we really have to model that for children as well to say, wow, there's so much to learn about the world. And, And to share that with children and to share that wonder and awe of learning. Um, because when we model that, we're saying to children, we're saying to families, this is a space that values that curiosity and wonder of the world because we can't lose that. We know I love toddlers so much. I mean, I love all young children and just to see them um, uh, learn something or to, to realize something that wow, look at that, the little things, especially out in nature. Like I always keep that at the forefront. And when we see that in children, that wonder and curiosity, like we have to be in that space of curiosity with them. And not only that, um, with children, also when we're learning, when we're in a training session, or maybe it's something we think we've already learned and I've already know this, but you know what? There's always a tidbit. There's always a tidbit of um, new information. And again, as I mentioned with choice, as adults, we always have the choice to decide how we're going to show up, to to decide, are we going to show up with curiosity and wonder and awe, or are we going to show up with, well, I kind of know everything already. And that's not a fun place to be. Like, let's be be in the space of children, be childlike, um, because that's where the learning happens. That's where that relationship happens with children. And can happen 
amongst adults. If we continue to be curious with each other and stay in relationship with um, other providers that we're learning with from a trainer or a professor or wherever we're at, a coach, like let's be in relationship together. Let's be curious together because we know children need that from us because they need us to be in that space of curiosity so that they can also be in that space of, wow, this is so interesting. I've learned something new today. And if we can model that and be vulnerable, even for children and say, like, I don't know that answer to that. Let's look it up because there's a whole lot of information out there that children ask all the time. And I'm like, oh, I never thought about that before. You know why I was in a program just a couple of days ago. And one of the kids was like, well, why are there uh, president's faces on money? You know, like, I don't know, you know, like, I mean, what a curious question, but like, if we can like go with that and like follow children's lead and be, be curious and wonder, like, let's do that because it just makes everybody, um, you know, it honors everybody's need to learn and ability to learn. Oh, I feel like I want to put be childlike on a t-shirt. Phrase <laughs> It's yeah. so true modeling what it is. And we never, you mentioned earlier when you were talking with us that we, there's no finish line. <laughs> like we never get to, it doesn't matter what letters you have after your name or what certificate you earn from going to a certain session. Like there's no end. There's no finish line. There's no like, oh, I've arrived. Uh, it really is about that continuing of modeling wonder and being childlike. I, you, I wrote down and I like to write down little quotes as you're, <laughs> as you're sharing all these really good things, but you said there's so much to learn about the world and that doesn't stop as an adult. So being able to be childlike and be in the moment with our kids is really what's going to impact how they view learning. And as you know, as early childhood providers, we're their very first taste of learning and their very first taste of what it's like to be a learner and what that looks like. And we want to make sure we're giving them a good taste and modeling good experiences of inquiry and wondering and being curious. Oh, I love it. That could be childlike. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Let's talk about, okay. You've got me hooked. I I'm on, I told you I want a t-shirt that says be childlike. I'm in, but I, I want to throw another, let's get real moment. So let's talk a little bit about balance. We know that so many of our providers, or even when I was a teacher, I had that feeling of, I'm just barely able to keep my head above the water without feeling like I'm going all the way under because there's so many things that you're multitasking as a provider, uh, as a family child care owner of your own business, as a director, as whatever hat you wear. There's so many things that we have to juggle. So when we're saying yes and be a lifelong learner, how do we balance it all? So let's talk a little bit about self-care. And even if you want to give us some ideas of what that looks like or how we can kind of incorporate 
like we want to do it all, but we, in order to do it all, we also have to have a value in our own self and self-care. So I, I'm going to stop talking. I want to hear you talk about it. Talk to us about a sense of balance and a few forms of self-care. Yeah, absolutely, Colleen. I first want to acknowledge what you just said is that as providers, people working every day with children, like it's hard to fit in self-care. And I remember when I was a center director, just sometimes the day-to-day scheduling and all of the things that happen throughout the day, it's like, how can you squeeze one more thing in? And so I first just want to acknowledge that because it is hard and we know how important it is, even though it, it may be harder to fit in. And I know there's been a lot of conversation about self-care here recently and thinking about what do we do for self-care? Just breathe, just take a bubble bath and all of that kind of stuff. And we know that it's much, much more than that. And um, I recently you know, read a book called um, Culturally Responsive Self-Care Practices for Early Childhood Educators that really changed my perspective on what, what is this self-care stuff all about. Because in that book, it talked also about community care. And community care um, can be a way that we're engaged in our community that also uplifts the well-being of ourselves and others. And um, so self for example, people think of self-care as doing something for yourself. It can also mean doing something for others. It could mean visiting a neighbor who's living alone. It could mean, you know, volunteering at a local food bank, walking the neighbor's dog. I mean, it could be just a phone call to someone you know who needs to needs to hear that, which may take five minutes, you know. And so that is one aspect I think of community slash self-care that we don't often think about. And there's really value in that. And again, I know we're busy and we have a lot going on. So it's a matter of choice. What works for you? You may not have time to go volunteer at a local community center, but picking up the phone to call an old friend or someone who you may think is lonely, take five minutes, say, I just was thinking about you today. And there's value in that for yourself and for that person. Um, And so just thinking about that in the context of community care is important. And I think when we think about in the workplace, you know, we can think about as adults, we all have needs that we have. And if you're in a childcare center or in a family childcare home, I mean, thinking about noticing, you know, coworker or a family who maybe just needs a chance to breathe. And maybe you're like, hey, do you need a quick minute? Let me help you out. And as a center director, I wish I would have done more of that. Honestly, I wish I would have popped into classrooms and said, hey, go take a break. I can tell, you know, you just need a chance to step away, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes. And so part of self-care is community care. And I think we always have to keep that in focus because then that means that we're noticing the needs of others as well, because that is community, that's relationship-based, and that's really important as well. And um, with that said, there's also various types of self-care that you may be interested in as an individual, and that's important too. So it's not either or, it's both and. Like we're going to choose what works for us either individually or in the community, and it may change from day to day, month to month. That's okay. Go with what works for you. Um, but there's at least five different types of self-care. And one of those is physical care, like 
getting the rest you need, eating healthy, maybe getting some exercise, taking a nap. Like, don't we all need just an afternoon nap? I mean, when you can get that, please do that. I think rest, I will always say rest is a form of resistance of the busyness of our world. So take a nap and don't feel guilty about it please. I do. So I think you should too. Okay. So emotional care. So that's physical care, emotional care, name your emotions, name those feelings. You probably know Brene Brown just came out with a book called Atlas of the heart, all of the emotions. I still need to get a copy, but like we need to name those emotions and learn how to label them as adults. We talk about doing that for children. We have to do that as adults. And that's a huge part of transformational coaching it's like, let's just stay in feelings for a minute. And how do you feel about that? If you're scared or angry or happy or joyful, whatever it is, name it. So then we can, we can move on. So part of that self-care is just being comfortable with naming those emotions. Social care is a, is a third, um, third way, just calling a friend, spending time, um, going to lunch or just going even for a walk in the neighborhood with a friend or, um, you know, could be that form of social care as well. Um, intellectual care. Now, this is a this is a chance. This is where that new learning. When we think about learning and growth, um, challenge yourself to learn something new. You know, um, maybe you want to read a new book. You know, maybe you want to do a crossword puzzle or whatever it is for you to engage that thinking in, in a way that's meaningful for you. Um, and then that fifth way, if this is something that fits for you, is that spiritual care or just acknowledging a higher power, if that fits in who, with who you are, it may or may not. Um, it could be taking a walk in nature um, as well. And when we think about all of these different types of self-care, the physical, emotional, social, intellectual, and spiritual care, we know those all overlap. Like one of my favorite things to do is I just have to get outside and walk. Well, that fulfills my physical care. That really fulfills, like I can deal with my emotions better if I know I've gotten some exercise. And for me personally, it, it fits well with my spiritual care because nature is, is, is a creation and I um, really appreciate the birds and the trees and all of those things that come with that, with nature on those walks as well. And so just, I challenge you to think about what are ways that you can take care of yourself or take care of others. Um, what are you currently already doing? What domains do they fall into? And just even picking two things um, for yourself or for others um, to consider, I think will really, uh, ground you and who you are so that you can continue on that learning journey. That is so lovely. So I need to learn more about this sense of community care, because I love that you're saying that in that culturally responsive book on self-care for early childhood educators, like, yeah, that's so much part of what we do is this serving of others. And I've never really looked at it through this idea of, oh, that's self-care because it does fill my cup when I reach out and make someone else feel good. Like even that simple phone call of checking in on a great aunt who's lonely or, you know, things like that. It does make me walk away with this sense of, ah, I feel good about that. And I've never really looked at it like that's a form of self-care, but that's so interesting, Becky. I'm going to check that out. And I super love how you were listing 
five different what what did you call them i'm not i'm not thinking that just domains of self-care yes five different domains of self-care and how it can kind of overlap like your example with the walk i'm i'm super into this this is like right up my alley and how it really is you know a choice and some days i need more social care than other days. And some days I don't want any social care. I would rather go for a walk by myself and not talk to anybody. And that helps me recharge. So just being mindful that whatever you are doing that fills your cup is really what self-care is. And community care is a form of that. That's cool, Becky. That's a new, ooh, for me. I want to learn more about that. Thanks for sharing that with us. Well, we like to end our Stepping Up podcast the same way with every guest we have on by asking them about their why. So Becky, can you share with us, why do you do it? You've been doing your job for a while. You've been in this field for a while doing this very important work. Why do you keep showing up? Why do you love what you do? Yes, thank you for asking that. I think we all have to keep at the forefront. What is our why every day? It's a choice every day. Like, why are we doing what we do? And for me, I I still get to visit homes and classrooms and to my why is the children. I mean, I am in those spaces. And I'm like, what do we need? What do children need in those homes and classrooms and communities? And what children need is for adults to show up being their best selves, that they, they are showing up with compassion and empathy. And so whatever ha- I have on each day, I think about how can I cultivate that empathy and educators, or how can I help cultivate that curiosity or compassion um, so that these educators have those skills um, to work with children, to, to really consider the perspective of children, like just to step back and think, I wonder how this child is experiencing this space. And um, that's the perspective I always consider when I every day, like, what are children's experiences and what kind of experiences do we want them to have? And that's what we have to think about. And how are we going to get there? Um, I recently um, watched a webinar um, re- and it was Principal Baruti Kefali talked a little bit about equity and something that really stood out to me was he said, does each child have access to the equitable learning environments where children are met with who they are as they are? Mm-hmm. Um, and really, he said, equity can't be solely something you do. He said, equity is who you are. It's really showing up every day. Um, it's a reflection of the educator's humanity towards children and families they serve. And I think that's what we do as um as adults as well, is is seeing each other's humanity. So we are not only as educators seeing the humanity of children and families we serve, we're seeing the humanity in each other and that we are showing up every day the best we can. And we need to honor that in each other and to to be curious about each other and to learn um, from each other. So I really keep showing up for my job because I really want children to be in these spaces where educators can can be compassionate and empathy and create these spaces of learning for children. And so for me, 
to be able to help um, cultivate that in educators, providers, or future teachers so that these equitable learning spaces are accessible for every single child and family within our state and within our world. Honestly, that's, that's why, that's what my why is. That's an amazing why. I love that you brought up the equity piece with it. And it's so true. Being able to see the humanity in each other, the humanity in the kids that we're serving and the families and just showing up a quote that stood out when you were talking to us, Becky, was thinking of your why as what do children need and what children need are adults showing up as their best selves. And that's our choice. That's our choice on how do we do that? How do we keep that growth mindset in mind? How do I become better? How do I learn more about having the sense of equity for all children and having that sense of humanity? So that, oh, what a good why, Becky. Thank you for sharing that with us. And this was this was lovely to chat with you. I hope we get to do it again. Come back for season two. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Colleen. It's been fun. I appreciate you inviting me to the show. Oh, and thank you everyone for tuning in and spending quality time with us. Please join again as we chat about future topics to support our Nebraskan providers on their journey with Step Up to Quality. Until next time. Bye-bye.